I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Are you stuck at home but desperate for a couple of kid-free hours? You can hire a virtual sitter now with our partner, Urban Sitter, the website and app that makes it easy to find, book, and pay background-checked sitters and nannies. As stay-at-home restrictions ease up, you'll be ready to find a trusted sitter for every scenario, whether it's a campless summer or unpredictable fall school schedule. So sign up at urbansitter.com and you can get 25% off your first Urban Sitter membership with promo code SUMMER25, all capitals, SUMMER25, which is good now through May 31st. So again, go to Urban Sitter and use code SUMMER25 to find your next sitter, which is a gift that keeps on giving. Hi, everybody. I recently did an Instagram Live with Lena Dunham, who probably needs no introduction, but she was the creator, writer, and star of the HBO television series Girls from 2012 to 2017, for which she received several Emmy nominations and two Golden Globe Awards. She also directed several episodes of Girls and became the first woman to win the Director's Guild of America Award for Outstanding Directing of Comedy Series. Prior to Girls, Lena also wrote, directed, and starred in the semi-autobiographical independent film called Tiny Furniture, for which she won an Independent Spirit Award for Best First Screenplay. Now, most recently, Lena has written a book throughout the coronavirus pandemic called Verified Strangers. It's a serialized book in which she released a chapter or two a day and even let readers who read it on Vogue.com Choose what would happen to the main characters, which is really awesome, especially coming from the number one New York Times bestselling author of Not That Kind of Girl. So it was a huge thrill to interview Lena and talk to her about books and everything else. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It looks Hi! Like this is going to work. Yay, it works! Hi, Sammy! <laughs> oh my God, I was so scared. I was like, my technological inabilities are going to ruin this. I'm so happy to see you. Oh, you too. Oh you're my gosh. You're my favorite so book queen and book fairy. And you've been such a big part of my isolation listening to your voice. So it just means the world to be here with you. Oh my gosh. You're so nice. Thank you. Just, and I just thank have you to say like what you do, lifting writers up, especially female writers in such a like, it's already hard enough for anybody to get their writing heard or seen. And the way that you like host and welcome talents, not to mention what an amazing writer you are, you are yourself. I read your piece about your hysterectomy and related deeply. I just feel really lucky to be on this live with you. And I even brushed my hair. Well, if you brush your hair, then I know it's going to be fun. <laughs> Thank you How's for saying it going? that. Thank you for saying book. all that. That was really, really nice of you to say. So just like, thank you. And I'm so glad that you've been listening to my podcast through the pandemic. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and I have been reading Verified Strangers, or I had read until it ended. Oh my gosh. I, I, I cannot believe you're, you've actually been writing that real time. Is that really true? It's like too good. That's so nice of you to say. And I reread it and there are definitely some incredible clunker sentences in there. So thank you for saying so. But I have to say, like, my first reaction when I heard we were going to be stuck inside, and obviously we all thought it was going to be a shorter period of time at first. We were all like, oh, this will be a little, ex- this will be a little experiment. Obviously, it's been much more complicated and tragic than that. But I just thought about the idea of serialized storytelling. I had just recently been reading about Charles Dickens and the fact that through the cholera outbreak of, I believe, 1854, he was writing a serialized novel. And it's a form so many, I mean, he did it. That's how Middlemarch was written. Stephen King's written that way. So it just seemed like 
an amazing thing to try and kind of an Olympic exercise to put yourself through as a writer. And it gave me so much, like, I will never say a snarky word about a blogger, a journalist. They can say whatever (laughs) they want about me for the rest of time. The amount of content those people are slamming out, I will never, I will never snap back. (laughs) (laughs) So, but how did you do it? Did you just decide, like, how did you even come up with the plot and the structure? Because there was so much and the idea that the audience could weigh in. I mean, that was brilliant. Well, thank you. I just wanted to do something, honestly. I missed the connect. When I had a TV show, and hopefully I'll have one someday again, the connection that I had with my audience every week, even though we weren't necessarily responding to them, Every season, of course, their thoughts about the characters and ideas leaked into my work. And I missed that connection to an audience and that connection through character. And I feel like so much so in this day, we're connected to personalities, whether it's influencers. I mean, I feel like I know you. I do know your (laughs) husband, but who I'm obsessed with. But like, we feel like we know real people, but I sort of missed that sensation of feeling like you know a character And so from that, I tried to think about someone who was relatable to me, but I also really wanted to give myself the challenge of writing someone who wasn't me. So Allie sort of came to me. She's way cooler and cuter and also sometimes messier than I am because I spend more time in my house. And I also just wanted to play with the concept of a romance novel. And what I love about, you know, I used to really like have this sort of, I remember like a stupid snotty attitude about thinking of romance as like, chiclet or unserious. And then I realized like I had actually been colonized by the very ideas (laughs) that the world wants to impose on women. And I actually think like what I love about romance is it allows for fantasy and it also allows for self-reflection. And so the idea of a character who is having all of these various types and styles of lovers thrown at her and the way it confused her inner world, that was really exciting to me. Totally. I, I couldn't decide who I wanted her to end up with. I couldn't, I wanted to understand like why the guy left. Like, I just, I don't know. I it, you left so way. many. And even when they ultimate people voted constantly in a way that I didn't think they would go. So there, I learned to stop preparing chapters because I absolutely never knew what was going to happen. So I was totally, what I loved was how consistently the audience just surpri- purely surprised me. And I also was actually thinking a lot about Far From the Madding Crowd, the Thomas Hardy book, and the way that even though it's this really dense, I mean, I think he's like a deeply feminist writer, and even though it's this really dense piece of literature, at its core, it's really about a woman choosing between three lovers and what the choice she makes says about her. And so I loved using that classic format, but letting other people weigh in. And you were amazing. Like, I don't know how you do it. You read the first two chapters and were like, oh, by the way, here are a few little like linguistic things that your editor missed. And I was like, you have a billion kids, a podcast, you're writing your own book and you just managed to make my novel better and copy edit it. No, stop it. (laughs) You really did. Stop. I, I just, I read so much right now. It's like, I didn't realize when I started this whole project, I've always loved to read, but I didn't realize it was a muscle that you could develop so much. Like I thought it was a fixed skill. Like I read at this pace, full stop, but not true at all. Like I've been getting better and better. What I've wanted to ask you, I took a speed reading class in college and it was the best thing I ever did. But what I've wanted to ask you is, you know, you started this because books are your passion, but once it became something that you did for a job, did your relationship to reading change? Do you still, do you have your work reading and your pleasure reading? Do you have, do you 
separate it or is it all about just bringing to your listeners what excites you? It's all about bringing what excites me. I don't read anything I don't want to read. I mean, if like, why, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to recommend things if I'm not excited about them too. And I mean, obviously I can't love every single book and I'm sure you feel the same way, but there's some, but there's something about it that really speaks to me. Maybe it's something really cool about the author. Maybe it's a unique structure or maybe there's just always something interesting. I feel like, so, um, no, it's not, I don't view this as work. This is like totally fun for me. So, I mean, (laughs) that's amazing. And like making your pleasure, your work is amazing. And I also love that you're instilling your, like the fact that you like moms can read to moms don't have time to read you're instilling in your kids that actually like reading is self-care and reading is a way to like disappear. And I mean, I don't know if your kids are rebelling or they're becoming book lovers too, but it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They, they run the spectrum, but you know, authors are just so accessible to them in the way that I always wish they had been for me. Right. I feel like when we were growing up, well, I'm much older than you are, but when I was growing up, it was impossible really to you know, I would write letters to authors who I thought were amazing, but you, there wasn't really back and forth. And now with Instagram, like I still feel like a kid in the candy store that like I can go in and see like all these amazing authors That's and where so they're having breakfast. Cool. And, right? <laughs> oh my God. I remember writing a fan letter. The first one I wrote was to Nikki Giovanni, the poet, and like looking up in the book where her publisher was. Yes, that's what and we did. I did it with my mom. I I wrote them to Judy Bloom. I mean, I was really like, I was like, I will get into contact with these people. And did you ever get a form letter back and it broke your heart? Well, I did get, I started actually one relationship with an author where we became pen pals. Her name was Zibby O'Neill and she lived in Michigan. And then after a couple of years, she, name as you. she had the same name as me. And I was like, oh my God, there's a Zibby in a bookstore and like freaked out about it. And she ended up coming to New York and taking me for tea at the plaza when I was in fifth grade. It was like the That's highlight. one of the best stories I've ever heard. <laughs> tea at the Plaza is also, as you know, being a fellow New York girl. I loved, I read an article where you described going to school with like your little, with like your little bag and your loafers and your, and I could so see, like, it made me think of, do you know the Madeline Langle book, Camilla? Yeah. It's about like a, just a kind of girl finding herself uptown New York City and takes place Camilla was in an era before you, but I was like, oh, that's so glamorous, especially because since I lived downtown, I always really idolized. I thought uptown girls were like really sophisticated and knew more and because you were near museums and glamour. And then of course, like I've heard now my friends who went to school uptown be like, I thought you guys were so cool. And that's what I was about to say. (laughs) I was about to say, like, I thought the downtown girls were the coolest thing ever. And I would, I mean, I just, I mean, the boots and the clothes and it was like a whole nother world. I I just, you know, never the boots girl. I was always the girl following the boots girl around, which is probably (laughs) why I'm a writer and not something else. (laughs) Because I... And I'm curious, like now that you're writing and I'm so excited to read your book, did you always think of yourself as a writer or did it Lena, take- I am supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> you are now trying to interview it's me. It's a dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> you're but so I'm curious. Did I always want to be a writer? Did you think of yourself as a writer? Did it take kind of, did you, or did you think of yourself as a reader and being a writer came next? I always wanted to be a writer. Like my grandfather published this little book I wrote in third grade. And I have just, from the minute I could hold a pencil, I was writing nonstop and journals and all the rest. But to consider yourself a writer, I mean, you can consider yourself a writer. You have like a number one New York Times bestseller and all the rest. And you're obviously a writing genius. But I feel like I can't really call myself a writer 
at, in the same, you know, it, I, and actually I talked to, I interview a lot of authors who say the same thing and I'm like, right, but you actually have three books on the bookshelves. And <laughs> but you know what? I tend to think, I mean, I used to think it was a female thing. Then I read that Saul Bellow had like such a bad sense of imposter syndrome. He couldn't even get it, get things done. I mean, I just think there's something about, because it's such an impossible dream to have people read and relate to your work. It can be really hard to say the words, I'm a writer. Like, I know that it's definitely taken me time and effort to be able to really say, that's my job. And it's interesting when people ask me, what do you do? Even though I do different things, I direct and act. I always say writer because I feel like writing is like the generative force behind all of it. Like, it's the thing that it makes the rest of it run. And like, I've never felt luckier than in the, than to have an imagination than in this time. And I feel like books and imagination are the things that are definitely getting me besides my loved ones or like getting me through this quarantine period. And so it's like, feels like an especially poignant time to think about and recommend books. And what, what does writing do for you? Like, what do you love about it? Have you always loved it? Like, does, is it a, is it a way to make sense of the world or is it more an escape or I don't know. What's, what does it do for you? I've always loved it. I've always loved it. I always joked that I wanted to be a fashion designer till fourth grade. And then I had a career change, but (laughs) I, I think for me, the thing about writing is like, and I think a lot of writers feel this way. I always, always felt like I was observing the world. Like I wasn't a full, fully engaged. Like there was some part of me, even if I was in the middle of a party talking and laughing that was in the corner watching and trying to understand And that's a part of me that's a writer. And that's a part of me that's always there. But also when I'm writing is weirdly when I feel most present. Like when I'm, like I'm working on a new memoir right now and it's almost like I can feel more present in my memories writing them than I did when I was in them. And that to me is like, it can be painful, but it's also the great gift. And the fact that writing always allows you no matter where you are to create, like, when I make a movie, I collaborate with thousands of people or a TV show throughout the process. You know, your husband works in film. If I'm doing kind of a project that requires like online engagement, but you can write and literally suddenly live in a totally different space just by picking up a pencil. And I think I figured that out. Like I wrote like a novel in fourth grade. Everyone has one of these. I recently found it, it was like about a boy who lived in the ruins in India, because I'd heard once there were some ruins in India. I did not do good research (laughs) and like has to save his friend from a snake bite. But I remember like I was in fourth grade and thought people didn't like me. And for that period of time, I was in the ruins with this kid who was lonely and but much more successfully adventurous than I was. And it gave me that sense of connection and purpose and writing's done that for me ever since. And I think it seems like this is how it is for you. It's also a way to frame your experience and understand what you've been through and also try to like reach a hand out to other people and ask, do you know what this feels like too? Because for me, being read and having someone understand or exchanging a book with someone that we both love, reading someone else, like that's the way that I know how to feel understood. Absolutely. Yes. I think there's nothing better than sort of opening up how you feel and then just being like, does anybody, am I alone in this or does anybody else feel this way? Even like on Instagram every so often, I'm like, am I the only one having a total panic attack about like crazy hornets coming to like invade New York City or something? Like, can I really take another thing? Like, why does this make me want to cry? And then everybody else is like, no, I I get it too. And 
the beautiful part of the internet is that it's brought some of that connection. But like, you know, when I was a kid and I read, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. I was like, I didn't know other people had these thoughts. Right. And that's the same way I felt in high school when I read the bell jar. And that's the same way I felt when I got older and I, you know, started engaging with, you know, same when I read, like, I just reread Eat the Document by Dana Spiata, like all these writers. So I went like, oh my God, not to mention poets where I went like, oh my God, your brain is occupying this same kind of level. It's a place for us all to meet. And I think that's like, for me, what's so joyful about it. That's a great way to say it. It's completely true. Yeah. That's just how people, it's, it's like the only way people can really like let their guard down and share what's going on. You know, both my parents are artists. My mom's a photographer. My father's a painter. And I know that for them, those mediums do the same thing for them. And I love to paint and I love to watercolor, but like there's a totality for me. Everyone just loves their form of expression. There's, there's a totality for me to the form of writing. And, you know, I just find books comforting. Like if you look around, you know, my room, there's just like piles of books and crap everywhere just because it's like I almost need to organize them like, okay, my dramatic friends are over here and my funny friends are over here. And that's something that I can just like, like remember childhood for a moment. So I have everything from like the biography of L.M. Montgomery to, you know, a book about like, you know, neuropsychology to my, one of my best friends, Bill Clegg has a book coming out called the end of the day. That's gorgeous. And I just keep it by my bed because it reminds me of him. Like they're living all around me. I'm interviewing him. I'm excited. You are. Yeah. I am. Like truly my best friend in the world. No way. That book is so, have you read it yet? No, I started it and I read his other, his, his first book, but not his second book. Have you ever read a family's incredible? And then obviously Portrait of the Addict. And he's been like a huge force in my writing life. Really? I didn't even know that. he's my first reader a lot of the time. And so what I love is I haven't seen him in six months now, but his book is by my bed and I literally like clutch it to myself. Oh, that's so that makes me feel good. What are you literally reading right this second? I am reading Wally Lambs. I know this much is true again because I'm interviewing him next week, which I'm really excited about. His Zippy, book, that's a good get. Yeah, I'm excited. I keep getting offered these like amazing things. I, I'm like over the moon these days. But his book is gonna be this Sunday, the tenth, probably the day this is coming out at night. His book is being made into a HBO limited series. So I'm gonna watch it and then I'm gonna interview him next week. He really is a big one for me because my grandmother was like my best friend. She was from Connecticut, the part of the world that Wally Lamb writes about. And she was obsessed with him. So to me, like, I remember sitting and taking her Wally Lamb when she fit, like reading She's Come Undone and being like in third grade and being like, I don't think this is appropriate for me, but I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) Like his books were such, had such a, like such importance in her house and they, meant so much to her because I think she felt very seen by him because he understood the psychology of the region she came from. And, and so Wally Lamb's a big one to me because to me, he was like the star of adult books. Like I remember a few of the writers who just like started off for me the idea of adult reading and how sneaky and proud I felt. And he's a big one. So that's an amazing one to reread. My introduction to adult books was Judith Krantz because my mom would just put these like romance books by my bedside because I like would fly through all the kids books and uh, yeah I'm like I can't believe some of the stuff I was reading (laughs) 
Oh, I like still think about some of the stuff. Like I just remembered because I rewatched this movie in like Susanna Moore has a new novel out and my parents knew her. And so somehow I got my hands on In the Cut, which is like a sexual thriller that <laughs> close your ears for a second, I think involves having sex, a woman having sex with a dog. And but like definitely involves discussion of it. And like I recently rewatched the In the Cut, the movie, and I thought I cannot believe I thank God fourth grade me literally just didn't know what any of it meant. And so I would sort of be like, mm, that was confused. That whole part was confusing because thank God there was enough <laughs> innuendo that I didn't know about like the full on SNM that was occurring. And, but I do love that my parents sort of went as like, my parents had two, like my parents were strict about what I could spend on and they were strict about what I could watch on TV but when it came to the bookstore, especially like the Strand, literally nothing was off limits. Like if I came up and I was like, I want to read this history of modern nudes. They were like, okay, because they just couldn't see what could be bad about a book. And if I had questions, and so that's like for better or worse, kind of what raised me. And I went through, I was just remembering, did you ever go through the phase where you read One Last Wish books? Like the ones about all the girls with terminal illnesses who go to camp to like have a last wish. No, but I wish I had. They were like teenage romances that took place between like a kid who had leukemia and a kid who needed a heart transplant. And they were like these tragic kind of teenage Nicholas Sparks doomed romances. And they were my obsession. Like Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, all I wanted to read about was kids with grave illnesses falling in love at camp. And it was like, I would dream about them at school. I mean, I, and now I look back and I'm like, that is the craziest genre, especially because it was meant for kids, but there's something for everyone. No, I was all into Sweet Valley High and like, I'm like in a different generation here, but my, the books I wanted to read were like perfect blonde high school prom queen in like somewhere random, <laughs> like, like a life that too. I was not ever going to live. <laughs> I love that too. And I also had every single book in the Babysitter's Club series. My favorite, which I still reference a lot, was a one called Boy Crazy Stacy, which was about when like Stacy had too many crushes and it turned into a problem. I also remember thinking kids are so weird. Like I thought Stacy was cool because she had diabetes and I was like, Stacy, special because she has diabetes. Now, as an adult, chronically ill woman, I understand that nobody wants diabetes, but it was almost like thinking braces or homework were cool. I was like, Stacy's mature and hot and she has diabetes. I want to be just like her. So maybe you had maybe you had some sort of like premonition or that something was off or you were trying to work through maybe, some sort of medical. No, so seriously. Good. <laughs> and I was like, God, I feel like a real Stacy. And then I recently mentioned it to my friend and she was like, oh, I was a Claudia because she wore funky earrings and loved junk food. Like the things we remember are amazing. Are you, how is your health? Are you feeling okay? I'm feeling really good. Thank you. I'm home in Los Angeles, which has been amazing, surrounded by my pets and my books. I swear this sounds crazy, but I was living in a rental house in London and very lucky to be there for work. And, you know, I brought a pretty substantial stack of books for travel, 20 or 30, but was reading a lot on my Kindle, which I do adore because it's a magical window into all books ever. But I swear that when I get back into my house and my books are on the shelf, the stabilizing effect. And the first thing I do is like walk around the house and just shuffle them into nonsense piles. Like only I understand right now why this like why the books that are in a stack over here. I'm just going to, it's like so random. Like only I understand why uh, a book, 
why a book called No Happy Endings is next to The Land of Men, is next to the, is next to like the new Susan Orlean book, except it's just about a feeling. And that's like where I know they, I know they must be together. I feel like I gave you some of those books, didn't I? That's, yes, you did. <laughs> oh my God, some of them are Zippy books. Hold on <laughs> one second. I'm just, I'm just finishing up an Instagram live. <laughs> I just got a knock. I think it was my dog being naughty. <laughs> Oh my gosh, too funny. But you um, did, and I have my tote from you, which I once I can leave my home again, will be full of groceries. <laughs> oh my gosh, I missed the grocery store. That's like the hardest thing. It's like not having access to normal food and whatever. I know, but, I you know. know. Woe is me. You know, we're very li- blessed. But. We're, but it's. I just want to say thank you because you really influenced me to do, to kind of bring writing and serialized writing into my quarantine. And when... I got your bag of books and started listening to a podcast at a really, really like perfect time where I wasn't feeling so well and I needed it. And I felt such a lifeline to you. So just to get to talk to you so fun. And I can't, I can't wait till I'm interviewing you about your book. Oh, you might have to wait a while. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for saying such nice things. Thank you for talking books. I could talk books with you forever. Me too. um, And tell Kyle that I love him because he's the most positive and joyful person alive and should have his own reality show. It's true. He absolutely should. Yes. <laughs> You're the best, Zuby. Thank you so Aww, much. Thank you, Lena. Thanks for I'll coming talk on. To you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks again to Urban Sitter for partnering with us today and offering a 20 discount on Urban Sitter memberships with promo code SUMMER25. So anybody who needs a sitter or a nanny or anybody to help you, if you can actually get out of your house, go to Urban Sitter. This will be your go-to and lifesaver. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.